the project. Kuwait. Learn. Hello, and welcome to The Project. On today's episode, Liam takes a break from recording to focus on his personal clients while Maddie and Megan discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of group and personal training. Stick around to find out the one question you need to be sure that you are asking your coach. And also, what should you be looking for when choosing a trainer to help you with your weight loss, nutrition, prehab and rehab, mobility, and strength gains? Find all this and more on today's episode. All this and more in today's episode. All right. Awesome. No Liam today. Hey. Yeah. I'm totally <laughs> stoked about that. I do not have to put up with the big guy today. Poor Liam. <laughs> I know. Him and him him and his horrible sounds and his coughs and everything. And I hope he's not going to listen to this. Guarantee you he won't. But speaking of Liam, I mean picking a good coach. Yeah. He's, he's a decent he's a decent coach. He's all he's right. A, he's a good coach. Um it's funny because yesterday I was at the gym. Um and I had a little little extra time open, so I was walking on the true form for a little bit just to get in some extra steps. And I, it's nice where it's at um, at that gym. It was up at the top level, so I can just kind of see everything that's happening below. And at that time, there's a lot of uh, PTs going on. Um, and then some coaches just working out for themselves. Um, and so it was interesting, especially with Liam talking, you know, after this last competition and a couple of the injuries and things that he's been battling. He's been talking to me a lot about movement lately. And so I was excited to kind of just scope of what's going on from above and just see like, oh, what's he going to do for his warm up today? And like, how is he going like, to start? Is moving? he going to do any type of warm up? Is he going to listen to anything about movement stuff now? Um, and it was great, actually. And that's a lot that you can tell about a coach is, is looking at them uh, warming up or how they warm up their clients. Um, and so he did a great job. I saw him doing some Jefferson curls and that's like one of my all time favorite moves. And so yeah. I was like, that's a good coach right there. Um, so it was really interesting to look at the different styles all around. So I haven't seen him one-on-one with a client, but, um, I know of his group coaching, uh, skills and then, um, just from conversations and things that we had, I know, I know Liam's a good guy. I would definitely refer any of my clients to him. I know. Yeah, no, I've seen him with, uh, with some of his clients and, you know, some of his clients are beasts and he, he can keep them in check and he, He's he's pretty legit and he he runs them through a, a pretty good regiment, you know, for what they're going for. And I think that's one of the keys that people need to look at when they do look for a good trainer or a good coach is, you know, you, you, know, you can't walk in there thinking you're going to have the six, chiseled six pack and you're going to be doing muscle ups and, you know, uh, ring muscle ups. You know, it's 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 not like that. You know, every trainer is different. Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, you can't pick your coach based on, yeah, maybe what skills and things that they're doing. Like, here's the thing. Some people who are great athletes that can do all of those, you know, fun tricks on the rings and all those things that you, that you want to learn how to do just because they're capable of doing it. They're a high level competitor. Doesn't necessarily, they're, doesn't necessarily mean that they're a good coach. Yep. Um, there's a lot of them that they can demo. They can show you all day long how it's done, but they don't necessarily know how to go through the progressions uh, with someone, go back to those basics, or even just communicate it effectively to someone starting from the beginning and starting at that level. Uh, so it was interesting. I ran into a couple of clients uh, yesterday that I had done some group coaching with. And I had asked, you know, like, oh, are you still joining, you know, the group class? I had done some coverage coaching for it. And she was like, no, it's just too advanced. I can't, can't do it. Um, and that's, 
definitely a level where the coach is very high level with it, but I don't think has quite the scope to make it inclusive, um, you know, or is, is maybe running at the middle ground to where she feels like she's not quite, um, uh, capable of doing it and maybe just not enough direction on how to kind of start building up the skills to, to get to that level, to join like no real direction outside of it. So it's kind of sad because it's, uh, you know, you see her going and doing something, you know, just running on the machine and doing more cardio, which is probably the last thing that she needs in order to get back into that. It's definitely, it's definitely sad. I mean, when you see average Joe and and that's talking from the guy behind the desk, which is me is when I first used to go into a gym when I was younger, it's like, Oh, I want to look like that guy. I want that chisel six pack. I want to be bench pressed on 120 kilos, you know, and in reality, we don't know what's gone into that person doing it. And I'll use a calisthenics coach because I think calisthenics coaches are the best or trainers as an example of um, someone that learns from ground zero, I think based on movement and not really, you know, the, the, the school of thought, if that makes any sense, where the foundation absolutely isn't as strong. You can't skip the basics with that. It's going to catch up with you so quick in, in those body weight moves and calisthenics. You have to have a solid foundation. Um, you can't really cheat your way through to get to a high level of, of a lot of those moves. But some of these guys, I mean, it just clicks with them when they do a lot of the street calisthenics. You know, I see a lot of these guys move into the gym atmosphere because they can do it on the streets, but can they can't really translate it to clients. And I've definitely seen it here. A hundred percent. I've seen it with more than one coach or trainer. And, you know, they'll, they'll teach them, like you said, like how they learned it. But that's, you know, they don't know the progression of a handstand walk is to do the handstand on the wall. The progression of a uh, pull up, for instance, is doing the negative. You know, and they don't, and I've seen it, they don't walk them through those basic steps. And the one piece of advice that I would say to anybody is if you're going to get a trainer, like you said, is look at their pregame routine, so to speak. Look at their rituals, how they warm up, how they train themselves, what their philosophies are, especially when it comes to someone that walks in with zero. You know, if you walk in and you have zero fitness knowledge and you go to the trainer and you're like, yeah, I want to lose 100 kilos. We all go to the trainer. We all go to coaches to lose weight. I mean, that's the number one thing, right? That's what everyone thinks. <laughs> well, I mean, problem. Yeah, no, but that's yeah. absolutely as any, when I uh, get someone who messages me or emails me um, and wants to work with a trainer, first thing is just, hi, I need a personal trainer. And my question back is always, you know, great. Let me know what your goals are, you know, and, <laughs> and why you think you need a trainer. And it's just always this blanket one answer of, I need to lose weight. I need to tone. I and need I to just, tone. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love that. And and this is where the clients usually engage or drop off is when I ask them, um, you know, why, <laughs> why yeah. do you need to lose weight? Cause the reality is with losing weight, it's a byproduct of so many other things in your life. Um, the weight loss is, that could be the general outcome, but that's not where the focus needs to go. The focus needs to, to regress back from that, um, to daily habits and to a lot of other aspects. So there's, um, I imagine health as this, this wheel that has, you know, six different little uh, sections in it. And I mean, this is just my own little creation that I've made, but there's six pieces of it for me. And that is, um, you've got the food and nutrition side. So this is your eating style, your food choices and your meal planning skills. And then you've got your relationship side. So this is like your social, your family, um, romantic relationships. So those kinds of skills within there, you've got, uh, your home and environment. So that's your indoor, you know, environment, your outdoor 
outdoor environment and then your community. So people you surround yourself with. Um, and then you've got your, you know, just overall spirit and energy of how you cope with things, you know, how you deal with stress um, and your creativity, you know, how creative do you feel in your in your day to day? And then we've got, you know, your career aspects so your money, your finances, your education. Um, and then we've also got, um, what do I have? Relationships, money. It's such, it's, it's so, it's, it's so, I'm so glad that you're hitting on all of those notes because it's so important that people understand that it's not just one aspect of their life that contributes to something that everything that you do throughout a day contributes. And when it comes to picking that trainer, you need someone or People, average Joe, I would say, and I keep saying average Joe because the majority of us sit behind a desk and it's like, we need to, we need someone to direct us the right way. Exactly. And when someone comes to you, and that's what I love about you as a trainer, you're like, okay, well, why do you want to lose weight? What are you doing? How can I help you get there? And are you willing to go through the process because it is a process like and that's the thing so with this this wheel of these like six different aspects um so we've got the last one which is self-care which includes your physical activity uh your sleep um and and your you know overall self-care of like beauty routine you can call it whatever so that's why i have people start off with this wheel and i'll just ask them like so indicate on each of these sections like put a point on that, that line, that circle of, of towards the center, if you feel unsatisfied in this area and put it towards the outer of the circle, if you feel satisfied in this area. And then we just kind of go around the circle and connect the dots. And you can see where these points, you know, that intersect really close to the middle, you can see what's where they're feeling really unsatisfied in their life. So if it is something within the relationships or within the career or within their self care, that is really close to that center point where they're feeling really unsatisfied, then you know that those are kinds of questions and conversations conversations and habits and stress management and things that you want to bring some attention to. So like, yes, we're going to tackle the physical activity side of things. But the last thing I want to do to somebody is put them under a physical stress load when they have a significant amount of other types of stress going on in their life. So, um, so that's just important for coaches to understand is like someone's coming to you for the physical aspect, but, but knowing that a lot of those changes and things, like, especially if they're spending one hour a week with you, two hours a week with you, I mean, there's so much of that day that's left. So you really need to, um, you know, help them get into this mindset of, of what effort they need to be doing on their part outside of those sessions, you know, to make the most out of the work that you're doing. So the coaches have to be in touch with all these other aspects of health. It can't just be like, oh, I'm really good at bench pressing a bunch of weight or I'm really good at muscle ups or I'm really good at squatting, you know, and that's not necessarily the indication of that, that connection that you're going to be able to develop with that person. So it has to be someone that you trust that you can have those conversations about of like, you know, what are your bathroom habits and how well are you sleeping and how do you feel at work and no coaches in in your relationships? Yeah. Yeah. And things like that. So it's sad because none of the coaches here do it. I think, I think a lot of trainers in Kuwait get a buy, like they get a, they get a free pass on a lot of the stuff that the West has to, they have to incorporate nowadays because when you're training someone, you're paying a hundred dollars an hour. I mean, 20 to 30 KD, that's not a little bit of money. Right. You know, yes, that's an hour. But as a trainer, what are the 
added benefits you're giving your clients. When I'm a client of someone, I look at my trainer, I'm like, what's the added benefit? If I have if I have an injury, can I message him at any point in the day and say, hey, this hurts, what can I do? And I have a coach because I'm doing CrossFit. I don't know anything about CrossFit, so I have a coach. And for the most part, I would give him probably a 10 out of 10 just because he's very responsive, very receptive, and he knows how to keep me in check, especially when it comes to lifting the right amount amounts of weights. And, you know, with other, with other trainers, there are added things where it's like, okay, what are you eating? When I was a trainer, it was like, send me what you eat so we can track it together and I could teach you how to track. I think of a trainer as, as much as like a shrink, so to speak. You know what I mean? They're a psychologist. If you're with your shrink for more than a year, you got issues and your shrink's got issues. So a trainer should be able to train you or coach you to that path of, you know, a healthy goal or health and fitness. And your goals with them should evolve down the line. So for average Joe, look at your trainer's engagement with you. How engaged are they? You know, I think that's from the client perspective, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, you touched on a couple of good points there. So comparing them to a, a shrink, um, I mean, absolutely, because there's, there's a side of mental health that goes along with physical activity. I mean, those are very, very interconnected. Um, but I would say if you're if you're going to a shrink and, yeah, after a year, you're still unpacking the trauma of, you know, a simple issue, then, um, yeah, maybe maybe you look into some other opinions or other discussions, but I mean, it's hard. I'm we not, could go I'm, down I'm, a whole I'm, road I'm, with that. I'm not a psychologist. No, I know. I know. But I just want to say, yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah, nothing yeah, wrong right. with, like, seeking out help for those kind of, like, mental health is a big yeah. thing, and I think that people do need to become more comf- comfortable talking with someone. Oh, it's so, going to be addressed. We, we yeah. have to We have to, to say that, yeah, there's a time limit on, on how show, long yeah. you should have a shrink. I think it depends on what kind of trauma you're Wait, if we're bringing a psychologist on, should we keep using the word shrink? Yeah. Yeah. Is that even used anymore? I don't know. Well, we're all right. We'll get away with it. I'm sure I'm sure people won't care. Yeah. You know, they but get, I think, they get it. yeah, I think the time and it's the same thing with the with the physical um, trainer as well. Um, you know, I've had people that come to me very short term and it's, you know, it's like, hey, I just I have some issues with my my hips and I'd like to just increase a little bit of range of motion. So it's something as simple as I would see them, you know, even once a month and I would give them homework. And it's like, all right, you stick with this for the next few weeks. Come back. And then I'll know if they're doing it or not, <laughs> you know, how well yeah. they've, they've progressed. If you run into any pain problems or things, you know, along the way, you know, let me know. Um, and that's more for someone who's a little bit in tune with, with their, uh, training and, and kind of self, um, self-reliant on, Which on makes that. Sense, yeah. Um, but then I also have people that I've been training with for a year, but what we've done over the course of the year hasn't always been like working on the same stuff. Like I'm not just running them through workouts. It's like, you know, in the beginning, okay, we started working on our balance and things like that. And it's like, now we're starting to get in touch with, you know, coordinating in different patterns. And now we're starting to get in touch with lifting. So there's, you know, to say like a, a certain time limit and how long you should have it. I think just, you know, when it's a good coach, um, versus someone who's just after that, 20 to 30 KD for an yeah. hour um, is if they're just kind of running you through these just yeah, but that's random what, that's workouts what I meant with without the goal any direction progression. of where you're yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I yeah. meant with the goal progression. Like, yeah. yeah, you can stay with a trainer for five years, but I'm sure in those five years, your progression is going to take a different, a different, a different direction. You know, like yeah, you may work yeah. with year one on weight loss and then year two, it's turned into, no, I want to be more mobile. I can't reach above my head. So then you would probably work on someone with, you know, uh, loosen up the shoulder joints, you know, getting that, 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 yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was gonna say that just comes in like when to get a, a PT. And I think for sure, um, 
yeah, it's if, when you want to improve on a, on a certain skill of some kind, you absolutely, you know, are just lost in how to do it. Um, so looking for a good coach is someone who's absolutely, like you said before, engaged in the session. So that little extra, like you have your standard rate of what coaches are getting here. Um, but who's, who's worth that, <laughs> you know, know right? and who's worth more. Um, but it is, it's like, if you're, you know, your attention should be on the client for that time. Don't pick the coach that has someone on a BOSU ball doing bicep curl. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw I that in just, there right there. That was a perfect say, Ask them why if they're asking you to do that. Like, I just ask why. That's because they're going to be on a reason. boat and it's, the, you know, they're going to be on a boat and there's going to be a lot of waves. So they're going to have to do bicep curls. <laughs> Maybe. Like, that is never going to happen. Like, it's never going to happen. And you know what? Yeah, I'm going to shit on coaches and trainers mm -hmm. at some point because, dude, there's no standard in Kuwait. There really isn't a standard. When I look at you training someone and I look at another trainer or coach, and I will not say any names because that's just not cool, but, you know, there's no industry standard that really holds true across the board. And I don't, maybe it's in the States too. I, you, I mean, that is all over. Um, but the thing with Kuwait is eh, it's, um, Obviously, appearance is very important and something that is a lot of emphasis is put on from young age. I mean, especially on, on female side. I know there's a lot of, you know, what your weight needs to look like, what your body needs to look like in order to, you know, get married and all these like family values and cultural values that are really, really pushed and really inherited. Um, and so they get someone out here that looks good. And that's really the only requirement of someone being able to come out to Kuwait and train and just clean up <laughs> yeah. really is, um, is if your body looks good, people are looking at that. And I've, I've been turned away by people because my body doesn't look as aesthetically pleasing as someone yeah. with like, I don't have a six pack, you yeah. know, yeah. and I don't I have like mean. a super toned arms, you know, right now. Um, and I've had people that and a couple of clients that actually I'm, I'm still working with. And it was funny. And she told me that she said, my initial reaction to you was like, what is this woman going to be able to teach me? Like, she doesn't have, you know, these big biceps, like I've seen on all, the, all these <laughs> other trainers or she doesn't have a six pack. Um, and I'm totally okay with those conversations. Like, ask me why I don't have a sex pack. That's fine. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> no, that's it. true. Like, no, that's true. Um, uh, so I think a lot of the draw is just they see someone with a body that they they think is, you know, what they what they want. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they choose to work with that person. And, and trainers use that to their advantage as a selling point here of like my body looks great, and I know I can teach these people, I can just run them basically through any kind of workout, whether it's towards their goals or not. Like they don't really know that what they want to work on. Like as long as they get them moving, it's fine. I think that's the mentality of a lot too, is just like, oh, as long as they're moving for the hour, that's like better than nothing, which I mean, yes, an hour of movement in the day is going to be better than nothing, but there's a, uh, I don't know, just that's what separates a good coach from a bad coach. But I mean, for our listeners, I think our listeners are the type of people that they want to find a good trainer who can be more of a life coach or a health and fitness life coach, so yeah. to speak. And if you're looking for that, ask those key questions. Ask some of the questions that we've hit on. You know, what, how will you get me to lose weight? You know, always ask why. I think yeah, that's the biggest yeah. thing of like what to ask your PT. I think just when it comes to the programming, when it comes to anything, and I love that my clients do this and they challenge me with it because I have to have an answer for them. Like I can't just make them mm -hmm. do something just for the sake of, of moving. Like it has to have some kind of 
kind of meaning. So what is that meaning? Um, so always ask why, like, why are we doing this number of reps? Why are we doing this many sets? Why are we warming up this way? Why do we always finish our workout, you know, in this kind of a way? Um, you know, why, why should I want to <laughs> use know, more right? weight or know. why should I use more weight? You know, there's so many different ways. I think coaches also get wrapped up in all these different ways to, you know, improve and, and, and change a load of like by making someone move faster or making them lift more weights or do it for more reps. And there's so many other different ways that you can give information to the body on, on what you want the body to be capable of and how yep. you want it to move things that load change can, can come in so many different ways outside of that. And it just gets focused on reps, weight and speed for, for a lot. Um, but always ask your trainer why ask those questions. And that's just part of your self-discovery, um, as well. So that when you walk into a gym, eventually at some point, like you're not lost as hell and you can, you know, you know, basically how to structure a, a safe, you know, session for yourself. And that's, if you're coming in with, you know, not a lot of experience in it. Um, cause that's one of the overwhelming things. People think they need to get in shape to go to a gym. And so they want to hire maybe a PT to do yeah, something in yeah. order before they can start doing stuff on their own. Um, so I, yeah, I think, uh, always ask your PT why, you know, why you're having them do something And a PT that gets annoyed by that. I think again, then that's going to be a line, which of, is a majority. I mean, come on, how many trainers don't have a chip on their shoulders? Like yeah. my shit doesn't stink and I'm the best in the building, which is something that drives me crazy because as a trainer and as a coach, I've coached for like 15 years and I've always been humble about my own game. Yeah. I know I've been an above average catcher. I've been an above average everything. But I don't have, I'm not 6'2", you know, I'm not hitting a home run every time. And it's like, even with kids, I've seen them gravitate towards the guys that will be home run hitters. And it's like, dude, he can teach you probably some of the basics, but he's not going to teach you as well as me. Because to begin with, he doesn't have to hit for average. He doesn't have to do the average things because he has an above average body or above average genetics. And it's like you, like you said, circling all the way back to from what you said from the beginning is you need someone to explain it, break it down so that you can understand it. It's not always the best looking or the best who teaches the best. It could be your average, you know, your average trainer, your average looking trainer. I mean, come on, look at Liam's uh, weightlifting coach. If you've seen any of his videos, yeah, the uh, older Russian guy, you know, yeah. like he probably threw up weight back in his day, but you know, some of these older coaches, you know, they're just, they're, they totally look average. You wouldn't even think it yeah. same with, um, I mean, if you go to football coaches, you know, soccer coaches, some of the most average players, have become the best coaches. It's usually people who work their ass off to finish behind those yeah. who just kind of had it a little bit easier and natural easier. talent. <laughs> I know, right? The natural chat talent, the genetics going yeah. their way and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going think, back to what we were saying in the meeting too, is like when I was just kind of observing what was going on on the floor and just that good coach, I think if you're paying someone, um, you know, for that hour of individualized time, I mean, if they're, if they're on their phone, oh my <laughs> that's, god, a, that's a red flag for sure. Oh my God. I but saw a trainer like, yesterday. I swear yeah. to God. 35 minutes on his phone with a PT and you could tell the PT is like staring at him awkwardly like oh, okay what do I do next and he's kind of just sitting there you know you know playing with his phone or doing whatever and right. 
dude, if your phone is, if you're, sorry, bleh, bleh. if your <laughs> trainer is on their phone and it's not to show you a video, fire him yeah. or her right away. Yeah. Or someone who's, yeah. And there's, there's a lot of benefits, you know, video feedback and things like that, you know, re- recording and stuff. But um, I can also see where it just kind of takes away from the session. You can tell if the person's motive is just to kind of, you know, throw it up on an Instagram page to get some. Oh, to get some likes right to away. To get some likes yeah. or things like that. And it's like, you know, use it as a teaching method and tool and, you, and post it later. You don't need to be messing around with that during your session. Yep. Um, and just a couple other things, you know, just, you know, making sure that you have obviously the visual, um, you know, cues. So being able to, to demo positions and things that you want them to be able to be in. Um, but get your hands on them as well. Like some people are just very receptive to that tactile cue. Um, that's something that I, that's taken me a while to get better at because there's been like, you know, cultural aspects too, like, you know, understanding what is that boundary. Um, but there is a huge, huge benefit to being able to have that connection. That physical touch just helps. Getting with that a, activation. A good, as soon as you poke connection. someone in their back, that's yeah. when they're like, oh, okay, that's But it's also just a very is. meaningful yeah. connection with, with the client um which is great um and then you have yeah your your verbal cues and things as well and what works for one client may not work for another so they have to have some different tools in the back so if, the, if you're not getting it after like they give you a cue like two or three times and you're still not getting it or feeling that's right like you need to ask them to like explain it a different way and they should be able to to do that um and other things just like i don't know how how engaged are they through it? Like, are they just right? sitting on their butt the whole time and just directing you what to do, but they never actually, like, get up? Um, That's a lazy trainer yeah. right there. But then I saw some great trainers, you know, who were, like, running alongside their clients and then, you know, doing, like, good stretch yeah. sessions yeah. afterwards and very engaged. And, like, as far as what they were doing for the workouts, I'm looking at it, and in my mind, I'm just like... I don't know how much sense that makes of that movement for that person right now you know, of where they're at. And that's, so there's two things with that. Meet your client where they're, where they are. You know, of course you want to get them to be able to, to lift heavy weight and to run fast, but you need to meet them where they are. And if they don't have the mobility to be pressing something over their head in a safe position, then you need to slow it down. You need to work on something else before you have them go through that movement. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just, just being able to, communicate with your with the client effectively to have a rapport to where you can manage the expectations of them. So when you tell them, like, I think you have too much weight on the bar or I we're going to start here. Like, I know you want to be able to do this movement, but this is where we need to this start. Is, yeah, like yeah. you have to be able to such a good point that to is such talk a good them point. into that, you know, so that they understand the direction that you're going. Like I have clients that want to do pull-ups and so they'll want to like strap up like seven bands on the bar because <laughs> they see someone doing it. In so class yeah, you need the trainer like, to say no. I'm sorry. You no. You need him it's to like, say no. Yep. yep. You're not going to help you. Like yep. that's <laughs> so they, you know, you have to find somebody who's going to, not make you feel ashamed of where you need to start mm-hmm. um, and understand the direction of where you are going and give you some some realistic uh, timelines of, of how long it's going to take you to to get to those points. But along those timelines, you get people that come in, too, and they're like, oh, I want to change my body in three months. And it's just like, listen, like once again, like I'm two you, hours you out can of do it. No, but as a trainer, I'm sh- you can do it. Yeah. You can cut someone's calories down to nothing. You could train them like a monster for an hour, just having them go, go, go crush their metabolism, right. create all these issues that will show up a month or two later. Right. So you can get them the results yeah. fast and then completely destroy their body. And that's <laughs> the, the thing. Like, months. And that happens too. Yeah. But in Kuwait, it's the land of the magic pill. Yeah, we yeah. all want that magic yeah. pill here. And it's like, you know, touching back on when you were talking about a trainer that says, no, funny story. Two nights ago, I was training and my coach trains my wife too. So, yeah, we, we kind of keep the coach in the family. <laughs> Low competition coach in the family. <laughs> I, I know, right? So um, they're training off to the side, and they were in between sets. 
and he was walking by after he grabbed a plate or something and he literally stopped me. I had my headphones and I wasn't paying any attention. He literally stopped me and said, don't do that. Drop the weight immediately. You're going to hurt yourself. And I was doing a power clean and hyperextending my back underneath the bar versus squatting back down into it. And he was like, you need to do it properly and then we'll go up in the weights. Mm -hmm. And like you said, people, you need a trainer to say no. You need a trainer to pull you back a couple of steps. And, you know, you can't have, like, if you have the guy that acts like a know-it-all and you're acting like a know-it-all, it's a recipe for disaster and you're screwed. And, um, as much as you need someone to, uh, I know we've talked about this before too, to also tell you, you know, like you need to push yourself a little bit more. That's so true. What you're doing right now is like also a waste of your time because you're not, you know, challenging yourself whatsoever. Your body's not getting any new information. You're completely on autopilot with this. So what about, what about group sessions? If we're on autopilot and we're saying trainers don't pay attention if they're in a PT, I mean, group training, that's. Group training is difficult because it's, it's hard on many different sides because from the programming side, you have to kind of train for the middle, middle of the road. You have to know, you know, your audience for that. Um, You have to have, a lot of good tools in the bag for being able to scale, um, depending on where you're, where you're, uh, programming at, but it's hard because, uh, again, it's for the, it's not going to be an individualized attention. So if you're someone who's looking for a very specific goal of some kind, um, you'll want to hone in on that probably with the PT group coaching. It's great for like the community aspect and like pushing each other through it. Um, making new friends. Like I love group classes and I love coaching group classes. Um, but it's, it's also under helping them understand the progression. So you need to go through progressions also as a class, you know, at times, and you build that into your, your hour structure as best as you can so that everyone kind of understands and can see where each other are at. Um, when I'm doing group classes too, you know, I use the the clients as demos and things like that. I don't always do it myself. You know, I want to pull somebody out in the class and I want to say like, okay, here's what she's going to do. Okay. Now let's watch. And can other people pick it out and see what's going on with that client? You know, is she bending her knees first or is she bending her hips first, you know, and kind of developing the eye and that gets them to, to be more aware of it when they go to do it on their own. Um, Especially with scaling options. I mean, right, I'm sure right. here you have to scale options because you can't treat each, every individual is different. Right. So you're so. going to give a blanket kind of scaling option yeah. and it's going to be, yeah, um, very generalized ones. But a good coach, again, is going to be able to go into the, the micro level of the class and kind of see each person moving individually. And you're going to be able to offer each of them some advice, but you're also going to have that skill where you can step back and look at the entire group and make sure the entire group is staying safe. And, and you have to be able to do that at that macro level as well. Um, so there's a lot with, with group coaching. Um, just, it's great to move with other people. And I think that needs to be done more building up a, a little community of, of people that keep you motivated. That's a huge benefit. Um, but again, your coach needs to be engaged just because you're in a group class doesn't mean that you shouldn't have been spoken to individually within that class. Yeah, like you, yeah. Coach, coach usually needs to, needs to go to around make his to each rounds. person yeah. in that class yeah. and then as much as communicating to the entire class, um, you know, and encouragement cues and things like that, too. It's like, yeah. are you const- are you only hearing one cue from your coach the entire time? <laughs> yeah, know? No, I know. Right. Like those are kind of things of ways you can tell how how engaged they are. Um so group coaching, I think, do it to, to meet people, to have fun, to, you know, test your fitness in different ways um, and and make sure that you're you're safe and, and managed well through it, that you're still learning something. PT, I would say, to hone in on those specific skills of whatever you see maybe in the group class, like there's, you know, one area where you're you don't feel as advanced as maybe what other people are doing, you know, going back to the example I was giving earlier where she felt like she couldn't keep up, you know, so then maybe that's an opportunity of like, okay, I want to work with a PT then to develop a little bit more strength or stability or something here so that I can participate in this when it does come up in a group class. Um, 
and that's coaches should just be able to give give those kinds and of that's direction. the thing with the skill acquisition you do go to a pt i mean i've coached baseball for so long and i've coached kids of all different skill sets and yeah. i've coached kids that have never thrown a baseball in their life and you get them you know signing up for the season and it's like i'm looking at it like dude what am i going to do this yeah, kid doesn't know how to throw it yeah. when you have 13 other individuals that you have to walk over to and work work with each kid individually i mean that i love it because that taught me so much on how to work with a large group and then it was funny because i did i started doing some boot camps for uh, baseball players you know a lot of the baseball players they get together and they said we want you to run a boot camp for you know i think it was 15 or 16 of our players they were all young kids and for some reason i ran the boot camp completely different than how i would have run a practice right because my practice is always at the beginning of the year i focus on skills um, building up endurance. I'll do like a 15, 20 minute, uh, patch of endurance, like towards the end of a practice or at the beginning of the practice. And I'll do all skill set things. And I'm talking basic skills, like catching an egg, you know, just to, you know, get some soft hands and whatever. So when I ran the boot camp, I like had them doing all these crazy moves. And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with me? Afterwards, I was like, what am I doing here? You know, after the first, I was like, this is stupid. And then I reverted back to what I was familiar with. What I knew is like, okay, these kids, can't do single legged, you know, RDLs. They can't do a squat. So how can I translate this more to the group I'm talking to and to the game? And that's when I went back to the wind sprints, the cup pickups, uh, you know, uh, ground, you know, you, you lay down on the ground, get up, sprint to a baseball, throw it at a target, you know, these quick things that I can only work with them in a short spurt of time. And that's where it was really important. And when they came to me and said, coach, oh, you know, I want to work on this. I'd give them their exercises to do at home. And you could always tell with the kids that went home, did their exercises and came back the next week, how much better they had gotten in a specific skill set. Or I'd say, hey, you know, this guy, he teaches this. Go sign up with him. And, you know, to, to coaches and trainers out there, you don't always have to hog the PTs. Yeah, I think that, yeah, know, know what you're, you're good at and what you yeah, like to do yeah. and stuff like that too. And that's the thing is, you know, you may have experience doing a lot of things and it's like, you want to offer it all. Um, and you want to teach it all, but it's, you know, stick to what you really enjoy and make sure your clients understand that. Um, so that's why it's, it comes to those very, you know, that very first session of just being able to communicate with each other, um, on, you know, what do I offer as a PT? And then what are you looking for as a client? Because you don't want to have any false expectations uh, within that. Um, but I think it's cool, like what you were talking about with the the kids, you know, giving them some homework and stuff to do. I think in the end, your trainer, your coach, whether it's group or PT, they should be promoting and teaching some personal responsibility yeah. in it all. Because um, there's, like I said, it's that practices. You know, I, mean, I can, I can tell you the trainer that's like, all right, you know what? Don't work on weightlifting on, you know, we'll work out twice a week. And then on these other days, you're working on mobility. Yeah. I'm, I'm them, assuming. I give I'm, them I'm stuff just to for sure. I'm yeah. It's like, yeah. What, do, what do I know that they're safe doing on their own? And I, and I show them, you know, it's like, okay, this is what I, and I'll grab people, you know, like when I run my group classes, like I'll grab people after class and it's like this week, I want you to get in, you know, five sets a day of this move. And, and most of my stuff, it's, it's minimal equipment. No, they might need a band at home. And most of them, you know, have got that by now. Um, very minimal things. It's just like, I want you to get in five sets a day, you know, doing this move. Um, once you're able to complete, you know, X number of seconds of holding this or X number of times of doing this, yeah. whatever, like, let me see it again and, and we'll go back and, and, um, you know, cause it'll ask for things to do outside of that time too. But it's like, 
some of them, if they're brand new to weightlifting, like I'm not going to go ask them to pick up a a barbell and and do some things that I know that they're not entirely safe with yet or comfortable doing. Um, but for most people, it's just even as simple as just getting out and walking a little bit more. I know, but, right? but there's a lot of personal responsibility. So that's why I give them other aspects to focus on too. Like, okay, so outside of this session, what I want you to focus on this week is as soon as you wake up, you drink two glasses of water every day. You know, and maybe that's the habit they're focusing on, or it's like, okay, you're eating Nutella and a piece of bread for breakfast every day. Like, let's see if we can maybe turn that into a muffin (laughs) with no Nutella. (laughs) Or let's see if we could turn that into like a bagel, or I don't know, like whatever the next step is. You know, we kind of talk through that of what do you like? Um, You know, eventually to the point where I'm getting them to eat an egg for breakfast. But that's that's awesome. You're teaching people the lifestyle. You're teaching them like, hey, don't eat shit. You know, like. That's and I think, dude, you should. It would be awesome if you ran a workshop for trainers. But I guarantee yeah, you, if you yeah. did that, you would have no no trainer That's sign really up because their egos up, are so big. Yeah, that came up in conversation um, a couple of weeks ago with a, uh, someone who had approached me and she said, oh, "I, I want to put on this um, assessment training for coaches." You know, same thing. She kind of observes other PTs in the gyms, and she's just like, again, seeing clients doing movements that she's like, they just have no business doing that one with that kind of uh, you know mobility and stability and. Um, so she wanted to run a workshop to help coaches with an assessment of understanding, you know, areas to focus on. And, and I kind of told her, I said, you're better off getting like the gym owner to mandatory for right? their staff because a lot just, they, I mean, there's some, it depends. There's, I don't want to rope everybody in this, into the, the same circle Dude, because there's I, some that actually, yeah. you know, are very open to it and they want to learn from each other and they'll very they'll few and far up. between. Yeah, few and it's, far it's hard between. to find. It's a like, small trainers network. egos are so big. Yeah. They are so big. Yeah. The first thing that I learned when I went through a certification, when I went through some of my baseball certifications was functional movement. You know, how to raise your arm up. What's, you know, what's functional? You know, how to do a, can you squat? Can you lunge? Can you, uh, do a dead bug? You know, these little things that I've never seen. You know, the gyms that I go to. I've never seen any of those trainers do that shit. I've never seen any of them do that shit. And it's horrible, dude. And their egos are so big. I think just ask other trainers too. You know, like if you see them doing something that you're intrigued by or that you like, ask them questions about what they're doing or why you're having those clients clients do that. Um, definitely because it's funny. I've, I've just started training at a gym recently and with my client, I've been having to do a lot of like crawling patterns and getting down on the floor and different things. And there's very specific reasons, you know, that we do that. Um, and I saw a coach who had, has been watching me do that for a while and has never once, you know, approached me about it, but I saw them incorporate some crawling with their client. And, <laughs> but it was funny because, okay, so with the crawling pattern, if you watch any baby crawl. Sorry, I'm laughing because like, it's, it's, it's a typical Kuwait thing. Like I see her doing something. Let me, let me throw some of that. Yeah. Let there. me throw yeah. some of that in yeah. there. So it was, you know, of course I'm like flattered, you know, that there's like something, you know, if that's, I'm assuming that's where they got it from. Cause there was nothing like that going on before. Um, but I saw them with their client. And so if, I mean, watch a baby crawl, even it's, it's always the opposite arm and opposite leg that come off of the ground and back onto the ground at the same time. Mm-hmm. So they, they release on the ground, like the, the right hand and that left knee are going to come up together. They're going to move forward together and they're going to yep. come down yeah. together. Um, and that translates into your walking. When you walk, it's opposite arm and opposite leg that are moving forward at the same time, which also translate into your running. When you're running sprints, yep. it's going to be that opposite yeah. arm and opposite leg. So this person is having them crawl in this. And what happens with most people when you get them down to the ground in the beginning, um, which is why I love this for coordination and, and core training, um, is they have the same leg 
same side, same arm going at the, at the same time. Now you're just confusing me. I, I, I need to drop down and start crawling. Start doing <laughs> so, so basically like both arm, both leg on the same side yeah, are going to yeah. be moving forward together. So if you think about that, like if you stand up and walk and if you're listening, you can try this, like walk so that your right shoulder, your right arm and your right leg all move forward together at the same time. And then your left leg, like that's not how we walk, yeah, right? But that's yeah. how he's having this person basically train that pattern. There's no transfer skill with that. Like you want to be working these, this cross coordination, this opposite side, this right arm and this left leg to being able to move. So did that trainer know that's what what your goal no, was? No, he absolutely knew it because he was having his client do it, like same side moving forward. I'm just like you would never ask her to run, you know, with both I, her right I hope, arm and right I hope leg. That's not my wife because she was crawling the other no, day. At the gym. No, she was she was doing she was doing uh, she's doing sparring training. Oh, okay, so she had to like crawl on all fours on the ground because you know the whole barbed wire thing or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I hope she's not talking about hey there. No, 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 definitely not. I would let you know. <laughs> I feel like, wait a minute, no. But, um... All right, let's do let's 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 talk about some positives about trainers because we're gonna have a lot of haters out there. They're they're gonna be like, what? I think it's the ones that are just really engaged that make a little little bit of time. Like I had a client yesterday who sent me a text. She was out for breakfast and she was like, I feel like I want to eat, you know, some of these carbs. You know, I'm kind of craving it. You know, can I eat them? Kind of thing. And it was a great teaching opportunity. And it took about 90 seconds of my day to voice note her back and just kind of remind her of this spectrum where we talk about you know better carbs, not you know. Yeah. You know, better, what's better or worse, not can I or can't I, um, you know, and it's just a simple little question like that. Um, you know, so having that accessibility, um, setting up the boundaries, like my clients know that they can do that with me, but I also have a, a handful of clients that I do personal one-on-ones with too. Um, but somebody who's helping you that they, they feel comfortable enough asking those questions and, and getting those questions. I think that's a, a sign of a good trainer. Um, but making yourself accessible to that, having, um, uh, like I said, that, that trust and that engagement of, you know, of recognizing a day where maybe it's less of the physical training and it's more of that emotional support and yeah, stuff that they yeah. need. Um, so do, do your clients, you know, feel comfortable bringing up some of those things to you? You know, are you able to gauge their mood um, with things? You know, what is your, your connection with that kind of stuff? So um, sum, summing it all up, we yeah. got know your goals. Yeah. Have your trainer involved in your life you know, to help and choose what your lifestyle should be geared towards, whether it's yeah, performance or weight loss. Yeah. 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 And make sure they have you working on mobility things. Yeah. Like know, know their routine. Also ask the right questions. I think that's, that's the main driving, you know, the thing that we need to drive home right now is just ask trainers questions, yeah. challenge and, them, challenge yeah. them and ask them why. And they, and they need to have an answer. And if they have a big um, ego, if tell their them to answer piss is off. because <laughs> I said so, or because it's good for yeah. you or, or whatever. Um, I, I think you need to, to really challenge them a little bit more with it. There's, there should always be a, a bigger reason why. Yeah. And on that note, um, if you have any other questions or concerns or anything, or you want to reach out directly to any of us, head over to, uh, the uh, project. <laughs> I, was like, come on, come I, I know, right? Got it. I know. We haven't had that much humor today. What is, what's wrong with me? There's something's going on here. Uh, head over to the Project Kuwait on Instagram and you could get in touch with us all over there. Yeah. Thanks. Shoot us a message. We good? You good? Yeah, I'm great. Yeah. We need to say, uh, Liam's not here today. Yeah. Yeah. We did at the beginning. We did, but, you know, we should did. we give him a little, little shout out? We miss you, Liam. No, I don't miss you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.